0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line visit FullyLoadedChew.com This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics
1: look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap lying no good rotten 4 flushing low-life snake licking dirt eating inbred overstuffed ignorant blood sucking dog kissing brainless dickless hopeless heartless fat ass bug-eyed stiff-legged spotty lipped worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is hallelujah holy shit where's the Tylenol
0: Merry Christmas you filthy animals and welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host, and uh, it is the Christmas season. It's the it's the season of giving, and uh, man, I, I think I've mentioned this in another episode. I don't want to call myself an Uncle Scrooge or a uh, uh, a Grinch per se, but man, I just like, I'm not into the whole gift giving. I'm more into the food and the family aspect of it. And so like, and my wife's the opposite. So she is into the, oh man, do we have enough for the kids? I'm like, hell yes, we have enough for the kids. Look at the pile of shit in that corner that they're gonna play with for the next 15 minutes. And then they're gonna go back to doing something else, right? Um, And I said to my wife, uh, like, if they bitch one time, this year if they bitch even the slightest amount about not getting what they wanted because uh i'll do a little foreshadowing here here is my here is my um uh my my one son his christmas gift he wants a he's six by the way he wanted a drone he wanted a cell phone he wanted an xbox um we did get him one thing that was on his list they're, they're called magnet tiles and they're like uh these little tiles that you can click together they they you know, they, they magnetize to each other and you can build shapes and houses and cool things like that. We did get him those, but then it was like all these things like expensive, high tech type things. And I'm just like, Jesus, man, no way we're buying any of that shit for him. Right. They haven't earned it. <laughs> and so here, my wife is like, are you sure? Shouldn't we just try to, I'm like, listen, if we got these kids, everything that they wanted, this would be like a five grand Christmas. And there's no way. In hell, I'm spending five grand on my kids. <laughs> this sounds bad, but on, on, on my kids for Christmas. No way I, I'm, I'm getting that shit. So she kind of agreed and we realized, hey, um, maybe let's just stick with some clothing. And we're we're the family that, um, I read this in some article sometime. I think I was waiting in a dentist office where get the really cool gifts from the parents and and then like the socks, the stocking stuffers, the the really the clothes, all that boring shit comes from Santa. So that way you look like the champion and Santa is just like, well, OK, well, I guess I really don't care what I get from Santa this year because it's probably another pair of underwear. That, you know, the same shit he got me last year. So if you want to be the hero, the, the hero gifts have to come from you. So instead of the Xbox, the iPhone, like all that tech stuff, you know, I got um, I'm building lofts for the kids. So, um, I have one done already. My kids are at my parents. So when they come home on the 24th, the morning of the 24th, they're going to go down to their rooms, put all their stuff away and they're going to see these lofts there. So, um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something that they've wanted. And so hopefully they get excited about that because if they don't, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do, but, uh, uh, man, uh, we, you know, aside from Christmas, right? I just want to uh, spread a message of cheer and positivity here real quick. Um, I know this is a, a, a good, a, a fun type of podcast, right? We joke around a lot on it. We have fun. Um, we bullshit a lot on this podcast. But in, in all seriousness, Christmas is the time of family. It is the time of um, uh, putting those good vibes that we always talk about out into the universe. And so if there's someone... That you maybe have a bad relationship with maybe now you might want to be the bigger person and uh, reach out to them just wish them merry christmas just tell them hey man you know water under a bridge maybe we can try to rekindle or, or rebuild this relationship maybe it ended on a bad note or whatever uh, and, and just send those good vibes in or send those good vibes out to the world and and, and individuals specifically who maybe you've been the person who who has done them wrong or maybe they've done you wrong and remember that uh, um, forgiveness is is a powerful thing and what I mean by forgiveness is forgiveness and I'm not trying to sound like a preacher here I'm just trying to share with you guys my own kind of experiences here but uh, forgiveness in the fact that you don't have to be friends with them again but forgive them and say hey listen I forgive you for what you've done to me or how you've treated me. I forgive you. And then you have that monkey off your back. You have that weight off your back. That and, and I'll be honest with you, this is kind of an insight to my past, but I used to carry that weight around and it weighed me down. And I would think about it all the time and I was in a very negative state. And and when I was able to just shed that weight and, and maybe it's forgiveness or maybe it's just forgetting about it. And you know what, just like, eh, I no longer care. I, I no longer am going to carry that weight, that burden that I don't need to. And you you drop that and or you forgive this person and the next thing you know, boom. You can wake up the next morning, you take that deep breath and you're like, God damn, man, I feel good today. And you go about the rest of your life right? So reach out to that family member, uh, shed some of that weight this Christmas season, Um, be the better person, uh, send those good vibes out. You get the good vibes back and and really cherish the time that you have with your children. Uh, I know on this podcast, I bitch about my kids a lot, but every second I mean, the, the fact that I get to run my own business out of my house means that I'm here to send them to school. I'm here to, when they get off the bus, I'm here to spend time with them, throw, throw a football around or color with the kids or, or do what dad should do. And, uh, you know, I feel really grateful for that. Uh, and, uh, man, I, I don't, that's just, I'm just trying to, uh, spread a, a positive me- message here. Um, and I'll, I'll just end it at that. So. But today, dude, we have a really good episode. And uh, if you have ever gone to a trade show, uh, whether that is the, uh, you know, in Illinois or Iowa, or I don't even know where these guys go. I think they go to the Wisconsin show sometimes, or if, if you're at the ATA show this year, or if you ever meet a guy named Clinton Fawcett, you need to stop and say hi to the dude. He's He's good shit. Like, he's a good person. And I like hanging out with Clinton every time uh, we get together. And uh, but, but this is a good episode because we talk about something that I don't personally talk about a lot on this uh, podcast. And that is property. So Clinton, uh, a property fell in his lap. It was for sale. He it was at a good price. It was close to his house. He bought it, and now he's he's having that uh, those internal thoughts and debates about what should I do to this property to make it better, uh, maybe make some income off of it, maybe uh, you know turn it into a property where the family can have fun with it, and. Make it an awesome whitetail spot too. So that's what this episode is about. He buys a new property, and we're going to talk about his long-term and short-term goals of what he's going to do from a habitat standpoint. Maybe build a pond. Maybe put a cabin on it. Um, uh, you know, there's currently cattle on it. There's currently ag on it. So this huge conversation revolves around what, you know, what he's going to do with this piece of property that he uh, purchased. Because I'll be honest with you, I hope in my stocking or wrapped up is, uh, a farm this year. I'm not going to get that, but it would be cool. Like I think about being a landowner all the time, right? It's like an end game. It's an end goal for me is to be a landowner. So that's what today's, uh, podcast is about before we get into those though. I just want to run through real quickly. Um, all of the uh, partners of this podcast, um, please, if you have a late Christmas or if you you, you get some uh, Christmas uh, gift certificates, check out these brands. Not only are they cor- like very uh, predominant brands in the hunting industry, they they make really good products as well and products that I, I don't hesitate talking about on this podcast because they work and i and i use them myself so and i know a lot of people say that so take everything uh everything i say with a grain of salt but i love these products all right so first is hunt stand go to huntstand.com. you can read up on all of the the digital mapping that these guys do there it's it's the number one hunting app and uh, it's very affordable it is also the functionality behind it is top tier compared to any other um, hunting app that there is lone wolf uh Portable tree stands. Some news coming out of the Lone Wolf Camp here pretty soon. Um, <clears throat> uh, four sets or four, uh, four sticks and assault gets me anywhere. Wasp Archery, Um, I'm telling you, this podcast or uh, their broadheads completely destroy any and everything that they touch. <laughs> so uh, I have two deer hanging or two deer heads in my office right now that i'm looking at that uh you know when we hunt we kill shit and uh, this was these deer were destroyed by a wasp broadhead uh, also huge contributor to my success i feel is in ozonics and that is walking in ozonics walking in with the unit walking out with the unit running and in the tree with the unit running and I I use it all the time I even use it like (laughs) this is gonna sound bad but uh my my youngest son missed the toilet taking a poop the other day so that we had cleaned up the poop off the floor and we had to uh run uh run the ozonics in that bathroom to get the smell and the odor out Uh, so if it can take if it takes poop like kid poop out of a bathroom, it can take your scent out of the woods. So uh, that's why I love Ozonics. There's a lot of information on their website, OzonicsHunting.com. And then, of course, uh, the the title sponsor here and a company that does amazing things. They have an amazing product line of uh, Vortex Optics, VortexOptics.com, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Amazing trail cameras. I mean, they get the job done. Uh, they work when they're supposed to work, right? That's all I care about on a trail camera. I'm not looking for the best quality pictures, even though these guys have awesome you know imagery that goes along with their trail cameras but i want my trail camera to work so i know what deer are in the area and then lastly if you are looking for a crossbow um, one of the cornerstone crossbow companies in the hunting industry is excalibur they've been around for about 30 years or yeah longer than that they've been around for a long time and you don't you're you're not successful as a company unless you're doing something right for that you know for that long so if you're looking for a a, uh really quality crossbow, excaliburcrossbow.com. Check them out. All right. I've hoarded out over the Christmas. I really appreciate each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen. So kudos to you. Thank you very much. And uh, man, Merry Christmas to all. Drink and be merry. And uh, the next time I talk to you will be post-Christmas pre-new years and we got some big things coming down the pipe here at the network that I'm, I'm gonna be uh pretty jacked to share with you guys so uh let's get into today's uh property buying podcast with my man clinton faucet three two one all right on the phone with me today this is like a, a yearly thing right around this time now mr clinton Fawcett. clinton how we doing man doing well dan how about yourself doing good i think i think it's the same time every year right
1: it's <laughs> i think it is very close if it's not the exact same time it's really close to it
0: right right so i don't know i was you know we had this scheduled today and i have my office that i i pretty much built myself my father put the the flooring in the uh I did a, all the drywall work myself and uh I had a electrician come in and you're an electrician and he ran uh some lines for me and then I installed the the blue boxes and the um and the actual plug in right, right. <laughs> oh my God I am horrible at trying to cut out drywall to match where the blue boxes were like none of them line up i don't even know if the the outlet covers are going to fit over top of these outlets because some of them are too far out and some of them some of them are way behind the drywall so uh i'm, I'm glad you're i didn't go into the, the trades you're
1: gonna have to buy the oh shit covers the great big ones
0: exactly exactly like i, I wish they made flexible ones where you could, you just have to that just kind of form around it. You could push, push in and then it would actually make it look good.
1: Right. he just heat them up with a torch and put them on there. They'll,
0: they'll melt. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how my house gets caught on fire.
1: <laughs> well, you should have called. I could have made a trip over.
0: Right, right, right. Um, so, you know. I wanted I wanted to BS a little bit up front, but I think the BS is actually going to be like we're going to cover it all in the rest of the episode. So what what I want to do is you kind of had a something big happen in your life this year and you ended up buying a new property. So and I want to I talk about buying the new property, getting it set up for whitetails and, and what you did and what that process looked like because I'm really interested in, in something like that. Um, so my question to you is, right out of the gate, how many acres did you buy and uh, how did you come across this decision to buy this property?
1: Well, we bought, uh, my wife and I bought, I think it's, Seventy-two or seventy-three acres. Okay. Um, It's about two miles from my house up the road, and it it was not a planned, a planned thing or a. uh, It's not something you know. We we've been working, and we you know we're smart with our money, and she always she's always wanted a house in Wyoming, in the state of Wyoming. Yeah. And I my whole my whole thing always is well, if we're not moving to Wyoming, why do I need a house in Wyoming? I yeah. can go stay at Dustin's whenever I want to. The last thing I need is a house that's out there that at the end of the day, Dustin and Jim would have to take care of all the time. My yeah. buddy, You know, people who are out there. Yeah. But she just always over and over wants this house, wants this house. So there's a chunk of ground come up for sale behind my house. My dad was going to buy it. My wife said, what do you think's going to happen with your dad buying that farm? It was like uh, 50 acres, mostly like 40 acres of tillable. I said, well, he'll back out of buying it like he always does. She said, well, maybe we should buy it. And I was like, oh, crap. What about the house in filming? She's like, well, you know, prices and everything's going up. Maybe that's just something we shouldn't do. My cat, like, yeah, I don't want to do it anyways. It sounds good. So I said something to my dad. Dad's like, keep your fingers out of it. I'm not backing out of it. It's mine. I already got it signed for. So my neighbor and I was having a couple drinks one night, and I said, hey. Um, you know, he had mentioned to me several months before that he was going to sell this piece of his farm. Um, to somebody else, the people that have hunted there my whole life, I said that's cool. And uh, we were having a beer one night, and I said, "If you ever have anything else you want to sell close to the house, let me know." Emily's, you know, may' will be interested in it. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, the people that were going to buy it kind of couldn't uh, couldn't get it done. And uh, I was out in the shed one night, and I turned around, and there he stood with a twelve pack of beer, and I said, "I guess I bought a farm, huh?" And he said, "Yep." It's- <laughs> I said, well, here we go. So, ended up with a farm.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny the how you how you brought that up. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say something like, "Well, I got into a bidding war with my dad." <laughs>
1: well, that, no, because my dad would have just backed out because he's a chicken. If, if he wasn't chicken, <laughs> we own like five thousand acres around my house because he's backed out of all of it at some point in his life. Not yeah. five thousand, but we do own a thousand. Yeah. So but yeah. So, you know, wasn't planning on buying it. Um, didn't go keen to buy it. And then, you know, when my neighbor told me he was selling it, to, uh, to the guys that have hunted up there, I, you know, I never thought anything about it cause they've hunted there my whole life. I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, they've always hunted up there. And then, uh, just ended up that, you know, it just didn't work out. And, uh, I was next in line. So we got it.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, knowing you knowing how much you love deer hunting it had to be some kind of at least decent property for you to buy it i mean if it was junk ground and there wasn't any deer on it you probably would not be buying it so what made this property so attractive
1: well a couple things a few few things for sure number one it's close to my house yeah so which from a deer hunting standpoint is good and bad cuz I, I i can hunt the same most of the same deer i i have up there i can hunt somewhere else on the farm that we currently have yep um cause don't there's about 200 yards between the north end of the property that i hunt and the south end of the farm that we bought um but there is other deer up there that their home ranges don't overlap with what i already had but so that was the first thing is it was close to the house because then the wife and the kids can use it a lot easier right um second thing is it's old cattle pasture with some tillable on it and it, it's really rough cedars hedge um a lot of russian olive and honeysuckle that i'm working on cutting out but th- the other part that attracted me to it is the it, it's almost in two pieces it's one solid chunk of ground but there's a, a if you're coming into it from the east there's a draw in the front and then there's 12 acres of grass in the middle that stretches the entire length of the property. And then on the other side of that grass is 30 or 40 acres of timber with some pasture in it. So that allows it to be kind of multi-purpose. I can have the family stuff up in the front closer to the road. And we're going to build this little cabin in there um, and possibly put a lake in it. And then we can also be up there all the time but not affect the back 40 acres where I would do most of my deer hunting. Right. So kind of, you know, multi-purpose where it's not always, you know, I'm a butthead when it comes to that stuff. Right. I don't want to be in there hunting some giant deer, but I also want to make sure the family can use it too.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that I've always, uh, kind of been debating on in my, uh, in my head is like, well, if I, if I buy this property, I don't want to tell my family, no, you can't go out and use it because I've turned it into some kind of sanctuary, I want it to be, right. you know, multi-purpose and not just be 100% selfish with it. So um, it's cool that that layout is really cool. Now you mentioned it kind of. So does it run long then, north-south? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
1: it runs long north-south. So it's it's weird shaped. Um, like let's just say on the on the east side, you go into it and it's real long. And then it's like got a big L in it, and then the uh-huh. and then once you continue west, it, it rectangulars off. But okay. on the, the, it's really rough. I mean, it's it's been cattle pasture my whole life. It was almost all grass and cedars when I was a kid, and then it's since since grew up more hedge. And I mean, it's you know the the cattle pastures just provides you so much opportunity yeah. as far as deer management goes that that you don't realize, right? Like there's just something you can do with it and it'll it'll be really good. It's going to take a little bit of time, but it's going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah. All right. right. So you, you bought this property and knowing you, the wheels start turning in your head, right? You, I mean, you've already mentioned that, you know, you want to put a cabin, potentially a pond on it. Now from a deer management standpoint, like, what are you going to do? Maybe talk about this short term versus long term and how you're going to manipulate this property in order to, you know, get deer, not only to hang out there, but hang out all year and attract, you know, mature bucks.
1: Well, the, the first thing you're right, I, I went, you know, my mind never quit. So I was ready to go hell bent for election. And we, we did a couple episodes on bow hunter die about the new farm and I had all these plans of what I was going to do. Like I'm, I'm going it. I I'm going to plant all this grass. I'm going to cut some of these trees over here. I'm going to plant food plots there. I had all kinds of plans. Right. And several years ago at the Iowa deer show, I met Greg Glissinger through Todd Grass, and he sells medical equipment, blah, blah, blah. I work in hospitals most of the time. So kind of hit it off talking about, well, he had saw it on Bowhunter hunter die and he had messaged me and said, Hey, if you get a minute, give me a shout. I want to talk to you about this farm. I'm like, okay. So I, so I called him, and he's like, look, the worst thing you can do is rush into it and put all these plans in there. In the past, when we've had cattle pasture placed in Iowa, I've rushed into what I was doing, and I didn't realize how the deer was going to use it. And once you cut a tree down or make something, that's something you can't ever take back. He's like, I think you need to put the brakes on it a little bit. So I did. I, I told Frank, I'm like, look, we, maybe we should just slow down. We'll get some food in there, and we'll see what happens. And I am so glad that I did because the deer use it 100% the opposite of what I thought they would. Like, they do not come from the places I thought – I mean, they come from where I thought they would, but they travel out of these –
0: Yeah, elaborate on that a little bit.
1: So – as far as the hang on a minute where am i taking off that dan sorry about
0: that all right no worries hang on let me make a note here so i can edit this uh, 11 minutes
1: what was the last thing you heard
0: uh well we started you started talking about how you 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 were glad that you held off on uh making any right. big changes because I, you right. know okay. where you thought they were and where you yep. uh what they actually were doing were two different things okay go ahead
1: so what the deer, what I thought the deer would do and what they actually did was totally two different things. Where the main bedding areas were on the farms, they still, they were bedding where I thought they would, but the way they were traveling in and out of them was a hundred percent the opposite. Um, you know, we, we took the 12 acres of grass in the middle of the farm and we farmed all of it this year to get the sod busted up, everything leveled and tore out to where it gave us, you know, something to work with in the future. What well Frank and I had talked and discussed it and we thought well we'll leave the food clear in the back of the farm so let's say you can access it from the northeast you get to the middle part of the farm and we left the food in the 12 acres section in the middle clear to the south because we could still access it down at that end and we thought having the food in the center more center part of the farm would help out and the deer would travel out to it that way and Plus, it was easier for the farmer to leave it there the first year. Yeah, and don't they don't want it down there? It's like trying to force them to go to that end of the farm, and they want to be all on the north end. So the the food actually needs to be clear up on the north, which in the future will help us out because it's a lot easier to access it there, Um, and it allows to create more bedding to the south. But you know, I just I can't overstate how glad I am that I slowed down and didn't do my normal. Just balls to the wall, tunnel vision, hard as I can go. I know everything. I'm yeah. the smartest person I've deal because yeah. I would have wasted a lot of time. And I would have cut trees down, made paths to different things that's irreversible. At least, you know,
0: in the short term, it would
1: take change it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Change it back. So out of curiosity here, why did the deer like to be on the north side of the farm as opposed to the south side?
1: I, I still don't know. I, okay. I don't know. They, they they just want to come out of that bedding area that way. And so, so like, there's 13 acres of cedars, grass, and hedge that's, that's on this ridge in the center of the farm. And we just completely stay out of there. It's a big bedding area. You can tell when you walk in there, a lot of rubs, beds. Um, and the way it lays out, I thought they would drop off that ridge, come down down this low spot and then up onto the back food plot field which where is where there's a big ridge back there and they all want to travel up that low spot to the north get out in the wide open in the field and then they just don't want to come back there to the south and i've learned in the past that if you're going to have a good food plot or a good food source for deer to go to if you can put it in their road in a natural travel corridor it can be really really good and until you get two foot of snow or it gets really really cold it's hard to force them to go somewhere they don't want to go because they'll just go eat something else
0: right they're just at
1: ah, the least resistance you know yeah but definitely something we're going to dig into a lot this winter after deer season's over and hopefully we get some snow at some point so that i can go in there and see exactly why they're doing that right and heading way,
0: right so are cattle still active on this farm or were they active on the farm up until you bought it Yes. Okay. Yes,
1: and we're still going to put cows back in it um, for a few months every spring. Okay. Just to k- keep some stuff ate down and and naturally, you know, there's good fence on part of it and to help us with our taxes and yeah. and all that stuff. So so it's still a working farm.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about this this the cattle aspect of it because I've hunted some farms that have active cattle. And for some reason, like deer and for, this is my experience, deer and horses don't seem to like, there's doesn't seem to be a problem with deer and horses, but deer and cattle, like deer will go out of their way to stay away from cattle. That's just, that's, they won't mix in the same pasture like they, they would a horse. So bringing these cattle in, uh, and this is kind of a real long question because, I've noticed that when you pull cattle out of a place over the next five years, that can turn into some of the best habitat. Maybe not natural habitat with like native brows and things like that, but it just starts to get thick and nasty, and the deer just love it. Are, are you seeing? Are you seeing the the possibility for that on this farm?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's crazy how much the grass has naturally grew up back inside the cedars and definitely a lot a lot of uh you know just undergrowth rose bushes you know we're gonna have to be careful with the honeysuckle and the russian olive trying to keep it cut back where we'll turn the cows in is mostly where there's a bunch of grass yeah um some of which will be turned into native grass and they'll come in and eat that down in the spring and that's actually really good on your native grass you know for the hooves you know the tracks in the grass and it just does a lot of stuff for it there yeah um, but it will get nasty crazy thick yeah. and there's not a lot of strip there right now because you got to remember I hunt everything to the south of it and I've got it dialed in very very well down there so the deer naturally once fall progressive progresses they want to go that way anyways to the south travel a mile away to where I'm at down there um, because that's where the great bedding great food, you know, prairie grass, better habitats at for them. So it's going to take a few to get the deer to stay up there more, but it's definitely, it's going to, you know, you're exactly right on how thick it's going to get.
0: Yeah. So with, with, with that said, then, um, depending on who you talk to on, on a habitat standpoint, you know, a lot of guys are like, man, we got to get rid of the cedars. Uh, we got to get rid of, you know, anything that's kind of an invasive, uh, Type plant or multiple, you know, like uh, again, another thing that uh, uh, comes in with cattle pastures is multi flower rose, right? Um, right? Do you have any ideas um, or plans to get rid of a lot of, of these other invasive species to uh, try to bring it back to, I guess, a pure farm? Or is it you really don't care about it that much? Uh, I just want to grow big deer.
1: Well, I, I want to grow big deer, yeah. but I, I know. Um, in the past one of the mistakes i've made in the last 20 years is everywhere that was flat i had to have food right so right. i tore out tons of habitat and created more food and the key to having big deer is not having food it's having better habitat yeah. right cuz only have so many deer and if your farm can't produce the bedding habitat for for 15 deer it doesn't matter if you got 15 acres of food there's not going to be any more deer there right. right your your demands never going to outweigh the supply so um, one thing that I do know is not to go in there and tear it off. The, the cedars are not thick. Okay. Um, so I'm not, I, I don't think I will go in and cut a, cut many of them out. I'm sure at some point I'll use them to direct some deer inside of there. Um, the one thing I'm going to work on is cutting out some of the Russian olive, most of it, and some of the honeysuckle. Yeah. Because what it does is that Russian olive, it grows so big and clouds out such a giant area on the ground with with a tree that's just the size of a softball i'll just go in there and cut it and spray it and then that'll come back up in grass i already did a little bit of it last spring right when we first bought it just as kind of a test area to see what it would do and the grass came right back so i feel like if i can get more grass within the cedars and less russian olive for sure it'll be better bedding and it's going to just continually get thicker Right. As far as all the flower rows, you know, it's it's not going to be terrible in there, and some of it's not bad. It's just when it gets so thick that it creates a impenetrable, yeah. area.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's one of the farms that I I hunt. That's near my house. Is man, the deer love it. It's thick in there. It's you know, it's it's that six foot six foot vegetation where you're just kind of breaking everything to get to it, but it's just littered. Right with multi-flower rows, like, I have to wear dicky, or, like, the, that real thick denim pants in order to right. hunt, hunt in there, because if I wore, like, th- that fleece stuff, it would just get torn to shreds.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, most of our farms that way, like, after Frank and I ever shoot a deer out there, the first thing we do is take our good clothes off and put <laughs> carhartts on, That's because right. you, you're not going to go down through there and keep anything... You know, your chances of getting it cut and, and trashed up with jiggers and, you know, yeah. stick tights and cutting it on thorns is, is pretty high.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that's one
1: of the things i to concentrate on. Is, and I'm going to ease into it a little bit not try to do the whole thing at once. Just do like a couple, three acres at a time and see what it does as far as regeneration. And then, you know, go a little bit more from there.
0: Gotcha. So currently on this farm, what is the what's the deer situation right now? I mean, is it holding good deer? Does it have a good number of deer? What's the story?
1: Yeah there's you know there's several deer up there right now. I'd say there's probably 15 to 20 deer on the farm right now. Um, maybe maybe more than that. That might be a little low estimate. There, there's more deer up there than I think. They're just using it differently than what I'd planned. And I haven't been hunting up there very much. I've been kind of letting it sit. I've got two and a half acres of, of standing corn up there right now, That if the weather would turn, I would go up there and hunt. There's, there's three good bucks up there right now that I would shoot. Um, I had a giant three-year-old last year that I passed up. I think we talked about it last year after we podcasted, but I called him Dexter. Um, he was four this year, man. He was just in there every day like 185 or 90 inch 10 pointer just a giant deer. as a three-year-old no last year he was 170 72 or something as a three-year-old I passed him up three or four times <sighs> this year he blew up and was bigger and man when, when I bought that when Emily and I bought that farm I thought holy crap the first year I this year's got to live up there because he'd never come I never see him until the first week of November down on our farm right and I him up along the highway in the summer, so I knew he had to be living in there. Well, right off the bat, first time I run cameras, I get a picture of him coming out of this bedding area, headed to the north, and I'm like, no way. Like the, I just knew in my head, I'm like, this is too good to be true. The first deer I'm going to kill on the farm that we bought is going to be this 185 or 90-inch 10-pointer that I've been passing up the last two years. So, man, he was there every day, Dan. I mean, every day. I get a picture of him coming out thirteen acre bedding area, headed north, going to a little alfalfa fields up along the highway every day. Every day. I'm at football practice. Cell cam goes off you know, phone goes off. I look at him after practice or whatever. There he is. Every night. Damn. I'm like, holy crap, we're gonna kill him. Yeah. October first, we got football. Walks by the camera, seven oh one. October second, we got football. Walks by the camera again, seven oh one. October 3rd walks by the camera. Again, 701.
0: 701 3 days in a row.
1: 3 days in a row. 701 p.m. 3 days in a row exact same time. Damn. October 4th. October 4th, the wind see we'd had it south. October 1st through 3rd south wind. October 4th, Frank and I can go and the wind is west northwest. And and we're like, well, we, got it. We, we, we can't get where he's at. So we need to move around down here to where he's going to on this green food. And we moved down there. He never shows up. I had one picture of him that night, right, like 45 minutes after Frank and I had left. He was there. Never had another picture of him since.
0: Oh, dang. You think he got hit by a car or so something? I,
1: well, either, he either got hit by a car or he's dead. we did have a little bit of EHD. And that's a little late. Four normal EHD around home, but we had a giant rain like the third week of September. And it been dry all of September. Um so I so either died he I I I mean I wouldn't you know deer can disappear,
0: right? right.
1: They go somewhere else. But yeah. this deer's always came south down onto us. Yeah. Now not think gonna change, but you know, I've got a lot of ground on there, cameras on it. So he's he's not definitely not down there. He last picture I had was October fourth haven't had a picture since so i would assume he either went a mile north got hit by a car on the highway or he's laying down there dead from ehd
0: could be um or hopefully this is what happens he decides hey i'm going to move somewhere else for this year and uh then he comes back
1: right because if he shows back up now i'm probably not going to shoot him because i really want to have a chance in my life to hunt a 200 inch deer and if i shoot him now yeah, you know nobody. Chances are nobody else is going to shoot him now because it's after gun seasons. Yeah, and my butt Mike that I hunt with is tagged out. So, and Frank's tagged out. So I, 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 I'm the only one left with a tag. So, chances are, if he did show up late late in the season, unless it, it, I probably would let him go.
0: Dang, that takes some guts, dude. <laughs> like, I'll tell you this: in my life, I will probably never. I mean, I'm not going to say never because right now I don't own any farm. Like I can't, I, I can't manage anything. Um, I don't, I don't lease, so I can't keep people out. Uh, so, in it, it, like, I don't think I would ever pass any deer like that at, as a four year old, hoping he comes back the next year at at 200. I just, I just don't think I could ever talk myself into it. <laughs> So I I
1: didn't think I'd pass him last year when he was 175, but I passed him three or three or four times, really yeah. close. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people that hunt there, right? Like my buddy Mike. So we own the farm clear on the south. My buddy Mike, his family owns the farm in the middle, and then we own the farm on the north, and we just hunt the whole thing as one. Yeah. So like, we talk to each other when they're down. When Mike's down, he goes wherever he wants. I go wherever I want. You know, no big deal. Yep. Everything works out. Yeah. So, and then there's people that hunt on the West too, that hunt all over in there. So, you know, it's just one of those, uh, one of those things, but I I just don't see myself shooting him right now yep. if he shows back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a better man than me. So the the good news is, is there are, there's deer already on the property and there are yes. good deer on the property. I mean, any, any other up and coming, like two or three year olds that y- you have Intel on that you're just like, God, please, please make it until, you know, four or five.
1: There's, there's one deer up there. He's a 10 pointer. He's got really big brow tines. Well, he's actually a, I guess he'd be like a 12 or 13. He's got double inside main beams on each side, Damn. but they're like six inches long each one. And then he's a mainframe 10 with short main beams, but like 8-inch route tights. And the deer's absolutely huge body, just ginormous. And I passed him up um, real early in the season up there. I had him at like 15 yards. He'd come out one night. And he just looks young in the face to me. You know, I've never seen the deer before. I've never had pictures of him on down where I've hunted previously. So I don't know the deer. He'd probably field dress like 230 or 240 yeah. in October. He was yeah. a really big deer, but it just looked like he's a young deer. Yeah. Like, so I didn't shoot him. So it'll be interesting, he's still alive. I just had a picture of him last night. It'll be interesting to see what he turns into next year. You know, he'll either, that deer will either be the same size because he's old and going downhill, or he's going to blow up. Yeah. One or the other. I don't see him, you know, I'm either hundred percent right or a hundred percent wrong, right? He's either three, he's either three or a seven. Right. One or the other. <laughs> That's no
0: funny. Word. So, Hey dude, I had a, um, I had a fork. I got a four corn buck uh, about two or three years ago that he, he was coming out into this uh, coming into this staging area, coming out of this bedding area across this Creek coming into a staging area almost on the regular. And one one night there, he was standing next to, you know, you look at a deer when he's standing by themselves and there's not really a reference that you can, that you can, you can compare him to because there's nothing else in, in there other than, you know, if you flip through trail cam picks, but right. this, this four corn deer is now standing next to this deer that I know is a three year old. Cause he's got some, he's got some really cool characteristics on his G2 and and so I knew that deer from two years in a row, and so now this deer is standing up against a three year old and he is gigantic bodied forkhorn. And he has all the characteristics of a young deer, flat backs, long skinny legs, um, you know, small chest, small rump, but he's just really long, tail to snout. And I would say like damn near a foot longer than this other buck right. standing real close. They're standing close to each other. And I'm just like, holy cow, this deer is the next 300 pounder on the farm. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right, right. I, we, we had one back in the day and Frank and I was always going to shoot him. And then we were always hunting a big deer. I couldn't get myself to shoot it. I, We would only see him late season in the daylight, but he was a spike. And we thought it was a we thought it was a giant like morphodite doe buck whatever you call them right yeah. like it always had spikes it didn't look like it ever shed but it was absolutely ginormous body yeah and and we would we would get pictures of it but we would only see it late season when it got crazy 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 cold yeah and we we never did get it shot but I wonder sometimes I'm like I know that was just a giant old buck. Or it was a you know a, a buck that had got hurt, or was a doe with horns. One or the other. Yeah. But it's huge. We just never could get ourselves to shoot it.
0: Yeah. You, well, Frank
1: would that. I couldn't shoot it. Frank would have shot it in a heartbeat. It wouldn't yeah. have mattered if there was a hundred hunter coming up the hill because it was cool. Frank would have. Frank yeah. would have wiped it out to figure it out.
0: Well, you're either a hundred percent right or a hundred percent wrong, right? Right
1: every right. time.
0: Right. <laughs> so. Um, every. We talk. we talked a little bit about this you know the the short-term goal with this farm. Now let's talk about what you envision this farm to look like in let's just say 10 years.
1: 10 years. I, I've got major plans for 10 years and I have it all in my head scoped out already after being up there. Um, this year first thing we're doing is we're next year the, the farm the tillable acreage will all be beans on the
0: farm okay
1: so for next year to start, which is short term but we'll work into the long term term plan we're going to move all the food to the front and then but from that front area where it's at you can see the neighbor's house about 400 yards away so we'll, we'll definitely have like a screen of corn standing corn up there to keep from being able just to give the deer get the deer a little more comfortable now that house has been there for 30 years so the deer are used to the house being there right it's not like it's anything new but just you know, okay, somebody drives down the driveway or does something and keeps from boogering them up, right. But the the plan is in the, is to move the food up there next year to that end, which makes it more accessible and it's got a nice hill right behind the field so you could drop out of there at night and get down and, okay. and be out of the, out to access. Now depending on what next year brings, if that is the area we should have food, then and once we see how they work to it there, then we will leave it there so next year it'll all be beans now after that after it's been farmed for a couple years i'll either look at putting it in crp the rest of the 12 acres that's there um which that might be three years in illinois uh, before you can do that but i'm going to look into that and then the whole rest of that area will eventually be grass okay oh so, so there'll be three acres of food in there and then the rest of it will be grass okay which prey grass will be natural regeneration of small cedars and and weeds um for sure there
0: gotcha so you're, you're pulling the egg out at some point
1: yeah. yeah okay either after this year the after this year or next
0: year the in
1: illinois when you buy a chunk of ground you can't put it in crp for until you farmed it for one year okay that's if it it's already tillable okay now if it new tillable i think it's two or three years of data on it before they'll let you put it in crp
0: i gotcha all right
1: so now the other thing is i didn't buy the farm to make any money off of it so if the crp thing doesn't work out i'm gonna plant it in grass anyways yeah because that's i bought it to have a place for the family and to deer hunt
0: gotcha so
1: more bedding with grass natural grasses some switchgrass I'll probably mix in some miscanthus and spots to shield it from the road um, and increase the bedding habitat to where I can put my food up in the front and get it dialed in around there but also have the grass real tall at spots in the 12 acres where I could use it to access farther back to the west at certain times during the rut okay, okay. so that's the plan with that um the other plan is I'd like to put a lake up in the front which would be you know depending on where we put a levy I got a guy coming this week to kind of give me a money aspect on it. cuz I you know I don't know if the, he might tell me 20 grand he might say 70 grand I'll be like well cancel that out of the mix I can't right. afford to do that but if if it's where I can afford it I'm going to put a lake in the front and it could be 6 to 12 acres depending on the two spots we have to put a dam okay but that that would eliminate that part of the farm for any deer and give me a back to my prairie grass and food plot scenario and then i'd still have like you know 50 acres of it over there that would be for deer hunting
0: yeah well the good part about that is you know a lot of times a body of water like that really ends up being a uh, a, a pinch point or a uh, it's a, a giant wall that they have to go one way or the other around it. And man, I've heard on this podcast in particular, I've heard so many success stories of guys hunting right below a levee or, yep. you know, a pond levee. And there's always yep. a lot of sign down, down in there for some reason. I, I don't know what makes it attractive to a deer, but they always, I guess they, they like hanging out there. Right. Right. Well, it's,
1: there's a, it, it, Frank and I have talked about it a lot when we're up there hunting. I always like to hunt when there's a back to where I'm at because I'm not good at scent control. I come straight from work most of the time. I'm not clean. I've learned with having kids and over time, I mean, we've talked about it on it before. Right. If I get to go, I go. Well, up there with that area being in the middle of the farm, there is no back. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the deer can come the direction. Right. The only way you could have it back is if you hunted it clear up with the front with a straight south wind, you would be okay. Other than that, they can come from both sides of you, which I do not like. Right. Which I could cop that with water, which would then improve the family aspect of it, you know what I'm saying? Fishing. And provide, yeah, fishing and provide access and a levee, which would create more pinch points. It just really plays into making it um, better for me. 10 you know in every aspect because the family and the deer hunting
0: right and the fishing of yep. the fish so yep, be good that's awesome um is like are there this is one question i didn't ask you is there any hardwoods like uh oaks or any oaks back in there
1: there's one spot in the far southwest corner of it that's got there's probably probably seven acres of hardwoods okay um, and then up from it between there and the cedar and where, like, the cattle pasture type stuff takes over. There is about a three-acre or four-acre spot in there that's got a bunch of sassafras trees in it. Do you guys have sassafras trees over there?
0: You know, we might. I don't know.
1: They're like a – they get – they once they start, they're they're, they're like a – they don't grow in clumps, but they, they grow off each other's roots. So they'll be spread out, like, ten feet apart, and then it'll be a new trunk. Okay. And then there'll be another. Enough- another one, another one, and they get real evasive and I need to get rid of them. They provide no, um, nothing, no benefit. There's no benefit to it. Okay. So I need to get those cut down either, either take them all, you know, I'll probably leave them standing and just kill them and then see what comes up. Yeah. But I need to get the honeysuckle more under control first before I do that, because that's just going to move in there next, right? You're going to get rid of one and invite in another one. Right. So. Right. But, th- but that's the bad spot o- over on that side. So, but there is some hardwoods and there could possibly be some turkeys.
0: Um, eventually
1: if our turkey population ever comes back.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I feel like we're struggling with in Iowa is a low turkey population. Um, so, Anything else on this, this long-term, a cabin, uh, a lake, uh, you know, you're going to be removing ag and really, it sounds, sounds to me the plan is to just concentrate the food in one area um, and just make it a destination for the deer to come to.
1: Correct. Okay. More habitat. Yep. More habitat, enough food to feed what deer are going to live there, and then once I feel like I have too many deer... To, that are eating too much of the food, then I'll start shooting a few does and controlling it that way. But definitely more, ha- I've, I've, at least at home, it seems to me like with where I hunt, the more habitat I can provide, the more usable acres. So if I take every acre of the farm and make sure it's usable, right? So if it's two acres of mall of floor rows and I clean it all out and then stuff can use it, the more usable acres, the more deer that the acres produce, the better habitat the more big deer that we have the more opportunities we have to shoot them yeah so
0: absolutely that absolutely that sounds uh sounds awesome so um as of right now like the the goal is also i mean i have a i have a couple farms that i hunt where man certain times a year the deer are there and then certain times a year the deer are not there um is, is your farm, from, from what you can tell right now, I mean, does it hold deer all year round or do more come in into it certain times than others?
1: I think it's going to be good early, always. It's going to be an early farm because the the farm south of the right hunt is not. And and I saw that a lot of the deer were up there this summer and then they traveled south. So it's definitely going to be an early farm. And it sets up well to hunt early because it's got, like, southwest wind access, which would be really good early on. Um, and I assume it's going to hunt really good the last two weeks of season because there's getting to be a few more deer back up there now. Um, they didn't rut in there real hard. Like, a lot of the deer moved south down um, to the thicker areas on mine and my neighbor grooves down there. Um, they didn't rut in there real good but I assume that'll change over time with the cattle being gone because um, it's going to thicken it up a little bit more. And, you know, there's been cows there for 60 years. So every old doe in the place knows I need to be out of here because I'm not going to deal with these cows right in the fall. Right. right. So now not up there. I think it's going to take a few years to get that changed, but 100% for sure. It's going to be very, very good early, yeah. no matter what, like, just there's a lot of deer that summer up there it's the last chunk of ground before you get out in the wide open which at home all the big deer like to go out in the wide open all the time in the summer that's where they like to be at um and i i i know for sure for a fact it's going to be really good early every year
0: yeah well i'll tell you what man it sounds exciting like i'm getting exciting excited for you on this farm uh, because I wish that I could do what you're about to do. And that's basically have free reign to do whatever you want to do in order to, you know, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily all about deer. Maybe it's like, Hey man, I'm, I might help bring the turkeys back or, you know, I'm going to, I'll be creating a pheasant habitat as well. So man, like someday that's my goal.
1: Right. Well, it has been, it is exciting. And I do know, you know, you're, you, you sparked it there with the pheasants. I got real big into planting bedding habitat, grass, prairie grass, which is great. Right. But quail, we don't, I, I used to quail on a lot when I was a kid and we don't have any quail anymore, but the reason I mean quail anymore. And I think it's with the baby turkeys also is. We don't need weeds. Cause we right. kill them all. Yep. Like the, there was places that I killed sod to plant prairie grass and I never got around to it. And then it grew up in natural weeds. And it, then there's quail and I ran a bunch of turkeys out of there again. So part of the farm I'm just going to go kill the grass yeah, and just, you know, let it come up and then I'll take care of it. Cause it's going to come up with some locusts and some hedge and I'll keep that, that mowed out every year, but I'm just going to let it grow natural weeds, you know, natural vegetation.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. My dad is doing some, so he just inherited 70 acres uh, from uh, the passing of my grandma. Was it last March? I believe it was. And, um, and so he is cash rent and it's up in northern iowa so it's all tillable and with a with a drainage like a a crick running right down the middle of it like it's not really a crick it's more like a drainage uh like a buffer strip type thing just to collect water Uh, so he's gonna cash rent half of it and then the other half of it is all turning into trees and crp and uh, we threw a trail camera out there and already got some deer on uh on camera even a buck i'd be like maybe a low one thirties buck. And we're talking about prime egg ground in Iowa. Like the closest, the closest tree is probably, I want to say three quarters of a mile away. Uh, So like, uh, a guy could put a tree stand in or really any tree. So he's going to be changing the habitat there. I'm excited to see what that's going to do. I'm excited to see how your farm turns out. And uh, what I'd like to do is have you on again uh, in the spring uh, to talk about how yeah. some of this, or spring or summer or some point, to see how the, the process uh, is going on, on uh, developing these farm.
1: Right, we can do it. Yeah. For sure.
0: Well, I tell for you sure. what, man, hopefully everything turns out your way. And uh, I appreciate you, Clinton, for coming on and hopping on the podcast and, and, uh, and chatting with us today. No
1: problem, man. I enjoy being on every time. I appreciate it. We'll <music> be